And now we are really grateful to have our dear friends Jeff and Sid Holsklaw come and teach us this morning. So uh, Jeff and Sid, please come up. They are amazing. Jeff is a theologian and a scholar and also a gentleman. And he is doing a lot to integrate theology with the cutting edge neuroscience and, and psychological research. So we're so grateful to have you guys this morning. Well, it's really great to be here. Sid's going to be, uh, actually, I'll take that. Sid's going to use uh, this later. Uh, there we go. Um, thank you, John, for leading worship. He's still in here, right? Yeah, thank you so much. The, um, just as a picture of where we're going today, just those words of, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. The truth that God's goodness is running after us. Amen. And that somehow that creates a situation in which we can learn to say, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good to me. That is, like you said, John, that's sometimes aspirational for us, right? We don't always feel like that's the truth that we live in each and every day. And so today we're going to be just thinking through this passage from uh, Mark chapter 9 where um, you know, we're, yeah, we're going we're gonna to be getting there. So it might be kind of a long route, like how do we get back to God's faithfulness, clinging to God's love and goodness, but that is the route in which uh, we are headed. And I even had, I didn't tell anybody outside of Dan, like what I was preaching on, like earlier this week, so the fact that all these songs, and even that story about the Jesus in the storm, so we're actually going to reference that, I think, unless I skip it on accident, but we're actually going to reference that too. So I love how the Holy Spirit, amen, is like already bringing all these things together for us. So I'm going to read the passage for us. Uh, yes, there we go. So I'm going to read this for us. From Mark chapter 9. When they returned, so this is them coming right down off the, um, the mountain of transfiguration. Um, when they returned to the other disciples, this is Jesus, James, John, and Peter. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large, large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. And when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. When he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, and when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, and writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him have mercy on us help us if you can what do you mean if i can jesus asked anything is possible if a person believes and the father instantly cried out i do believe help me in my help me overcome my unbelief when jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing he rebuked the evil spirits Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, 
He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. And then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him up to his feet. And he stood up. Afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. This kind can only be cast out by prayer. So let us pray to start, or to continue rather. Lord Jesus, we do come to you today for calm in the midst of storm, for healing in the midst of pain, for freedom and deliverance in the midst of oppression. We come to you believing that you can help us, help us to overcome our unbelief. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and we ask that you would be at work in our hearts, that you'd be at work healing and cleansing us and freeing us. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Everybody, amen, amen. If you are an amen kind of people, feel free to shout out the amens whenever you come across them. Amen? Amen. Okay, good. So I want to just walk through this last sentence uh, that's up here. This kind can only, or this kind can be cast out only by prayer. And the cast out will come to, it could just be uh, come out. So this one comes out only by prayer. So let's just start with this kind. What is this kind? This is the demonic agents of sickness, of addiction, of bondage, and of death. This kind is seeking the death of the sun, is seeking darkness, imprisonment, seeking to spread fear and disaster all throughout this child and really the community. This kind serves like a henchman, like the, you know, the dawn, the, the strong man, the king of darkness, the prince of darkness. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus talked about how he had come to bind the strong man so that he could set the captives free. He came to plunder the one who has been holding captive all the people. The strong man is the, you know, the demonic king of the underworld. The father had come because he was seeking freedom for his child. So this kind, is there any of this kind among us today? Is there any pain, any sickness, any suffering, any trauma here? Yes, I know, there is for all of us. So there is this kind among us. And Jesus is coming to cast this kind out, to overcome all death, to bring us back to life. And as uh, in that story, you know, it said that he was dead, and then Jesus went and he picked him up. But it's, it was really the raised him up. It's the word for resurrection. He was raised up. The dead boy was raised to life, just like Jesus was raised to life, which we sang at the beginning. That was the first song, right? You have promised that just as Jesus was raised up, we too would be what? Raised up. Amen. So Jesus has come to do all of these things. That brings us to the second phrase, the cast out. In this translation, 
but it really comes out. So this kind comes out. Now, in the New Testament, there's two words for casting out demons. There's driving out and coming out. These are the two words that are used descriptively. So this one is the, the coming out. And it's really interesting because Jesus just always tells demons to come out. And then it says, and they came out. Now, in the ancient world, there was like usually advanced rituals for casting out demons. You had to do all sorts of things to get the demons to go away. But for Jesus, it was just like, you need to come out. And then they came out. That's what the text always said. So Jesus just speaks these things. And they come out. And Jesus was disappointed with his disciples that the demon didn't come out with their authority. So earlier in the text, you know, it's like, I brought them to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything. And then Jesus was frustrated. Why? Because earlier, Jesus had called the disciples, had called his 12, 12 apostles to be with him in order that he would give them authority to drive out the demons, to make them come out of the people. This was their mission. The disciples were given the authority to do that. And now they were failing in that mission. They were frustrated. The people were frustrated. How come we can't do what you told us to do. We were supposed to be able to do this. Why won't they come out? Do you guys ever feel that way? Why won't the demons come out of my life or the lives of the people around me? I'm trying to follow Jesus. These addictions keep coming back. These bad behaviors keep coming back in my life. They just like spring out of me. It's like uncontrollable and I regret it later. Anyone, right? Why won't these come out? So frustrating. So Jesus has come he says to these demons, you know, come out. And that word come out is really interesting because it's the same reason to talk about the incarnation or why Jesus was here. Jesus has come out to bring God's kingdom on earth. So if we put that other uh, scripture up, uh, chapter 1. So Jesus went out and prayed in the morning and the disciples were like, where are you? Like, we need to keep this, you know, this, you know, the show going. People want to know where you are. And Jesus says, we must go to the other towns and I will preach to them also, or I'll preach to them too. That is why I came. It's the same word for when the demons come out. It's why I came out, or it's why I came down. I came down to, to proclaim the kingdom. And then it says what's right after that. So he traveled throughout the region preaching into the synagogues and casting out the demons. So I have come down to cast out the demons. And so this one only comes out. It's kind of like the opposite, or it's opposed to Jesus coming out. Jesus has come out so that the demons would come out. You see the parallel there? This is the whole ministry of Jesus. Jesus has come down so that the demons would be cast out. Amen. Okay, so we're, we're putting all this together. So this is why Jesus came. Jesus has come in order to make the demons come out. This kind comes out how? By prayer. This kind comes out through prayer. The blessing or the, the, the victory, the victorious work of Jesus comes because of this belonging that is created through prayer. Or when we seek the presence of God through prayer, then God's kingdom purposes are extended through and in our life. Those two come together, and the one comes before the other. Because of the presence that we have with God, then we can exercise the authority of his purposes in our lives and in the lives 
of other people. The purpose of the kingdom comes through the presence. And with Jesus, it's the presence with the Father that he's cultivating. With us, it's also the presence that we cultivate with Jesus. And this is, again, what the disciples are supposed to do. I only gave you half the story. So when Jesus called the 12 disciples, it was so that they would cast out the demons, so that he would send them out. That's the second verb. The first verb was actually that Jesus called the 12 disciples to be with him. Amen? That's the first thing that they were supposed to do. The reason why he called them was so that he, they would all be with him. So that he could send them out to proclaim the kingdom and to cast out the demons. He called them to be with them. And so you've got to wonder if the disciples weren't casting out the demons with the authority they were supposed to have, the kingdom purposes, because in one sense they were still trying to grapple, what does this Jesus guy, who is this Jesus guy? They're still trying to figure it out. They weren't really with him, or, or were they? They didn't know who he was. And in the story that, uh, that was read for the children, that it was Jesus was what? He was in the boat. He was sleeping. He was at peace with the world. No storm could enter into the peace that he had cultivated because of his connection with the Father. Meanwhile, the disciples are what? They're freaking out. Jesus gets up, and it says he calmed the wave. But in Mark's gospel, it says that he rebuked the waves or that he cast out the storm. So there's this idea that even storms are like a demonic kind of presence, and Jesus' authority is to cast out the storm, and the storm left the sea, and everything became what? It became calm. And then the disciples were amazed and afraid, and they asked, who is this that even the storms obey him? See, they're still trying to figure out who it is that they're with. This is why they're still like cultivating their faith, and I'm sure many of us are still like that too. They're like, I know I love Jesus, but who is Jesus really? This is confusing. Sometimes I understand, and other times I don't. So welcome to discipleship. This is, this is what we're all doing. So Jesus casts out the storm. He has authority. The disciples are awed. Jesus casts out the, the demons. The people are awed and amazed. The disciples are like, why didn't we have that authority? And Jesus says, this, these kinds, which is really every kind, right? All of the kinds, all of the workers of sickness and destruction and chaos and death, all these kinds come out only through prayer, only through being in the presence of God, of cultivating that presence. And this was Jesus' own practice. So Jesus never calls us to do something that he doesn't already show us how to do, amen? He doesn't teach us to do something that he doesn't already show us how to do. And so early on in the Gospel of Mark, um, so can we go now forward? It's forward one slide, but it's back in the text. Okay, yeah, actually you were already there. Sorry, my bad. At daybreak, okay. So at daybreak, this is at the beginning of uh, Mark's gospel, right after, you know, he preached at the synagogues, and a demon came out, and he cast out the demon, and then uh, in the evening, he was healing people, and there was a big success, and all the people were amazed, and then they all go home to sleep, and then it's the next day, so this is the next day. Before daybreak, early, early in the morning, Jesus got up, he went out to an isolated place to pray. And then it says Simon came and, you know, found him. And I just want to think through that first sentence. Before, early in the morning, before 
the sun had come up. Jesus, he got up, he woke up. It says he went out. That word for went out, you want to guess? It's the same word for come out. Same word for, for casting out. He, he went out to a deserted place. The isolated place is really a desert. He got up early and he went out. And he went out to pray. So before, and then it says, and then we'll go to the next passage. I know they're like backwards, right? There we go. So this is the one where it says, this is why I came. So he says, I, I came to preach the gospels, but this morning I already had come to pray. I had already come to pray early in the morning. And the disciples found him so that we could come out and proclaim the kingdom. So his own personal practice was to get up and to cultivate intimacy with God. To figure out and to remember what presence with God is like. So that he could remember the goodness of God that is running after him in his own life. So that he could remember to build his own life on the love that is a firm foundation. So that he could remember that God has been faithful. That his father has been faithful to him each and every day. And that's where he starts. So that then he can go out and find or to do the ministry of the kingdom. So the last word I want us to focus on is the isolated place. That is desert or the wilderness. He got up and he went to an isolated or a deserted or a desert place. We also know what a deserted place is in the Gospel of Mark and other Gospels. This is where Jesus went after his baptism. After Jesus was baptized, he went to the wilderness. After Jesus received the presence and the blessing, the, the, the intimacy of the Father who says, you are my beloved, in you I am well pleased. Right after that, he goes into the wilderness. He receives the blessing in the river, but he has to learn how to hold on to the blessing in the wilderness. And that's where the discipleship happens. And Jesus, every morning, it says, goes back to that wilderness place. He's every morning remembering how to hold on to the gifts that he had received from the Father. He's remembering again. And why was it that he was in the wilderness in the first place? Because the Spirit drove him there. This is really interesting. When you look at the text, what is the word in Luke chapter 4, right at the beginning? It said that the Spirit of God drove him into the wilderness now, what did Jesus do to the demons? Drove them out. Jesus drives out the demons, but now the Holy Spirit is driving Jesus into the wilderness. And so not to be too provocative, but Jesus drives out evil spirits because he learned how to be driven by the Holy Spirit. Jesus has the authority to drive out evil spirits around him because he has received the drivings, the leadings, the promptings of the Spirit in his life. He was controlled by the Holy Spirit, and that's why he could control the evil spirits in his life. And that happens in the wilderness. That doesn't happen in the river. See, a lot of the times we want to live in the river. I just want the Father's blessing all the time. I want all the good feels, right? The worship experiences. All the good, like, Holy Spirit moments, and that's tangible. It's so great. And those are great. Amen. I, I'm a worship leader also. I love playing guitar. I love crying. Like, I love all the things. But it seems like it's in the wilderness where those things really get consolidated, where they really become the place that we learn how to live out of. Jesus went 
into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. But after the temptations, Luke chapter 4 tells us that Jesus had the power of the Spirit. And it's only with the power of the Spirit that then he then ministers out of the rest of his life. And that power doesn't come from the blessing in the river. It comes from that time, that struggle that happens in prayer, struggle in the wilderness. And so what happens in the wilderness? What are the, the, the temptations? These are the temptations that try to get Jesus to let go of the blessing that he has. It's trying, the devil's trying to get him to forsake the blessing and the promises that he's received from the Father. It says, uh, you know, hey Jesus, you're really hungry. Like, you should, you know. Well, actually, the devil says, if you are the Son of Man, right? He questions his identity. If you are the Son of Man, make these stones to be bread. You're hungry. You need some resources. Just do it. And Jesus answers, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus answers. He's grappling. He's learning how to hold on to. He's showing us how to hold on to the blessing that we've received that says, my relationship with God is more important than my day-to-day -day resources that I'm stressed about. Not that those things are wrong or bad. It's just said, it doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say bread is bad and God's words are good. It just says man doesn't live by bread alone. We actually live as social creatures. Our intimate relationships are the most important thing about us. We live at, we actually physically live and die because of our relationships. Our physical nourishment comes after that. Jesus knows this. And so in the wilderness, in the daily prayer, the daily going out in the wilderness, and when he tells his disciples, this only comes up by prayer, he's showing us that in prayer we remember our relationship is primary. Are we clinging to the blessing of the Father in our relationship as a primary place? And then the second temptation, and again, if you are the Son, throw yourself off the temple. For God has said that your angels will protect you. Now, what's going on there? This is, again, it's the attacking that identity. Like, well, you're a child of God. Don't you want to make sure your, your safety net is in place? Don't you want to test to make sure that you will be safe and secure? And Jesus says, don't, well, he quotes the verse, right? Don't put your God to the test. And what does that mean? What's he getting at there? It's something like, I know that I am safe. I don't have to test it constantly. I know that in my father's relationship that I know that, that God as my primary place, as my primary relationship makes me safe. My circumstances don't make me safe and needing to test to make sure that I'm safe doesn't make me safe. I believe I have faith that I am safe. I can cling on to the father without testing, right? And I think sometimes we get, you know, tempted like, well, if I don't have another worship experience like that one last week, then maybe God has left me. If I don't have a prayer time, then maybe God's left me. If I don't have, if I don't, you know, if my friends are, if, you know, if, if this, if this, if this, if God doesn't do these things, then maybe something's changed and maybe I, God's blessing is left. This is the temptation we all feel. Just throw yourself off the temple again. Get confirmation that God is really there, that God's really paying attention, and then you can take the next step. And Jesus says, no. He says, no, I know that I am safe. I can trust the Father's love at all times. And it's from that space that we can learn to sing something like, 
all my life you have been faithful. Not all my life, God, you've done what I've always wanted to at every moment that I asked you to. But all my life I see that you have been faithful to me in ways that I've needed, not always in the ways that I've wanted. And that's why Jesus could sleep on the boat, right? Because he didn't need to be thrown off the temple to make sure God was around and going to help him out. And because he had that security, he could sleep in the middle of a storm. He's like, I'm good. We're all good. It's fine. The third temptation. And you notice, the devil doesn't say, if you are the son of God on the third one. Because this is the time where now he's like, let's sever that connection. How about you bow down to me, and then you can have all these kingdoms? If you bow down to me, you can skip that hard part of like suffering and dying in order to have a kingdom that God's going to give you. How about you just bow down to me, and you can have your kingdom right away. Shortcut. No problem. And Jesus says, worship God and serve him only. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve others. And, and it's the same for, it's, the, it's this idea that the blessing that we receive from God it is for us, but it's not primarily for us. It's so that we can share the blessing with others. We don't just rest in God's blessing. Oh, it feels so good to be here. Right? We're supposed to overflow and give the blessing to others, to share it with others. We dwell in God's presence so we can be full to give his purposes, his loving service to the world. Jesus came down not to be served, but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for many. He's come down, he's come out to love and serve others. And so in the wilderness, Jesus is practicing, he's doing the hard work, the practicing of holding on to that blessing. That time of prayer, every morning he is coming out into his own wilderness, his own private wilderness to practice holding on to that blessing. So that in the middle of the day, he could also make the demons come out and make the sicknesses come out and make the storms come out to bring life and peace and joy to all of those around him. These kind only come out by prayer. Are we making time for this kind of prayer, this kind of rest in our lives, so that we can be renewed in our blessing? Are we letting go of, of fear, of anxiety, of control, so that we can let that blessing in, and so that we can give that blessing away? So that the demons would come out in our lives. So the demons would come out in the lives of our friends and family and children and neighbors. So that the authority and power and love of God would be shown through us. Are we making time for this kind of prayer of entering into the wilderness? I'll just be honest, you know, I got ADHD. It's hard for me to focus. Prayer times stink. I was going to, you know, they do. <laughs> so not focused. Every prayer time feels like a wilderness to me. Oh man, like I have, you know, I've been sitting here for, it feels like a half an hour, four minutes, uh, you know. <laughs> I'm so distracted, like every time's a wilderness, right? So focusing, remembering, however it is that, you know, you have prayer times, you know? Talk to other people if you have trouble, like, you know, I'm sure you guys do here, right? Go into that wilderness and learn how to hold on to that blessing. So I'm going to ask Sid to come up, and we're just going to do, just to end the service, we're just going to have this time of, like, corporate kind of entering into this wilderness, 
but of prayer, of, of joyful receiving God's presence. We're going to have a time of communion. Uh, we'll have some time for worship. Uh, but I also want, you know, I know at the end of the service, you know, I think Vineyard's always called ministry time or prayer time. But I do want us to have a time of, of prayer for things to come out of us, amen? Things like sicknesses to come out of us, for addictions or things that we feel imprisoned by to come out of us. And so if you're feeling, yeah, I need things to come out of me, or I have hopes of friends and family that things would come out of them, then let's enter into this time of prayer. But then also come forward or pray for one another or, or do something kind of radical that you don't usually do on a Sunday. And we'll see what happens, amen? Amen. I can't. So um, just as a way of um, sort of reflecting and taking everything in that, God, that Jeff has just said and things that we have been thinking about already, um, if you are interested or willing to come out uh, to a place of presence with God, just want to ask you to go ahead and just stand um, and if you're if you're not sure you can stay seated but um, if you find yourself longing for some of what Jesus had this morning go ahead and stand and then if it's comfortable for you you can close your eyes and just put your hands out and let's just remember together and God, we ask that you would help our unbelief. But to remember together that Jesus came to live our life so that we could live his life. And so everything that Jeff was just saying about who Jesus is and how he lived, we have access to all of that. So in this moment, I just want you to go ahead and just remember the words of blessing that were spoken over Jesus at his baptism. Those were the words of blessing that he fought to hold on to in the wilderness. And so to just receive those again this morning as the words that are also spoken over you. That you are my beloved, who I love. With you I am well pleased. And to hear those words one more time as these are the words of blessing and then we'll go through some ways to hold on to those words so one more time the words of blessing spoken over you because you are in Christ the father says to you you are my beloved who I love with you I am well pleased That is your truest identity. It is the truest thing about you. And so as you have your hands out holding that blessing, just allow yourself to take a look at your life for a moment. And notice, are there any places in your life where there is darkness or bondage or sickness? And to right now, hold on to those words of blessing as you see those places of darkness and sickness and bondage and to just proclaim, Jesus came out to cast that out. 
and maybe even just utter the prayer, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And to notice where are the places in my life where my authority that I have been given and sent out in, in the name of Jesus, is hindered or blocked? Where are the places in my life that it's time for me to go out into an isolated place, to come out, to draw near to God and to seek to hold on to the words of blessing? How might I be invited in this season of Lent to come out of those places into a renewed desire to be present with God? And so just as you hold those places, those places where there is bondage or sickness or darkness and those places where you feel hindered in your authority because you are needing to come out from something. We're going to do communion together and I just want to sort of really bring this home for us this morning. Like along with those temptations in the wilderness, communion is an opportunity to practice holding on to the blessing. Because if you're hungry, right? Jesus was tempted in his hunger. If you're hungry this morning, coming to the table is an invitation to come and eat of the presence of God the blessing that is yours, to remember and to cling to your primary relationship as a beloved child of God. And if you're longing to feel safe this morning, if you're looking for that safety and security, coming forward and receiving this meal is an embodied way to say, I am safe in this primary relationship with God. Lord, help my unbelief. I want to feel safe here. And if you're tempted to find the easy way out, or if you're tempted to divide your loyalty and to give your worship to something other than God, coming forward to this table and receiving this meal as a way to realign yourself with the kingdom, to receive the blessing of God so that you can be a blessing to others. And so I want you to really think of your coming forward and partaking of this meal this morning as a way of holding on to the blessing that is yours. A way of wrestling and saying, I refuse to give up this fight. I refuse to be taken out. Instead, I will contend for the blessing that is mine by coming forward and partaking of this meal. And so as we do that, we just remember that Jesus, on the night on which he was betrayed, that very night, he took the bread and he lifted it and he gave thanks and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body given for you. Basically saying the life I have lived, I have lived so that you can live the same. This is my body given for you, take it, which requires participation, take it, eat it embody it remember and believe and in the same way he took the cup and he said this is the new covenant poured out for you in my blood take it and drink it and this is when we do this we remember not only what jesus has done but we remember what he will do 
we remember the day that he will come again when we will eat and drink in his very presence, the wedding feast of the lamb for all eternity. So I just invite you this morning, I invite either, I don't know, do you guys do communion servers? I don't know if you do, if you do, that's great. If you don't, that's okay, all right. <laughs> so just invite you to come forward. There's gluten-free on the plate. You can dip into the juice or if you want a more sanitary option, there's the little servers, but just come as a way of, dem of really living into, this is my rightful blessing as a child of God and today I'm gonna contend for it. So come and remember and believe and hold on to your blessing. <laughs>